Blog Talk Radio. My name is Matt Rory. This is Careless Whispers. We're here on CLNS Radio. A little later than normal. It's been almost a month since you've heard from us. So you all are excited. And for that, I say... Hello, Calvin. Hello. There he is. Yeah. Makes me wonder if people have actually been trying to listen to us for the past few weeks. Maybe they don't know that they can call 323-642-1484. Still don't have any sort of words to go with that. We have dropped the ball on that yet again, but that's our new phone number here on Careless Whispers. Not much has changed, Calvin. Other than that, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I promised myself I wouldn't say that tonight, but I did it anyway. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. So, things you, things are continuing to change on the show. It's kind of a cliche thing to say, though. I think, um, but we're here anyway. So I gave you the phone number. You can still find me at Team Green Truth, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know that this show is happening right now. Other than that, I'm sure there's only a handful of people that know that this show is happening right now. You might be able to count them on both of our hands. Or even a single hand. Maybe only our parents now. And My parents Liz. probably don't even know. They just they just would assume the show is happening. They just have no clue. I don't even know where my dad is. Well, he probably is not listening then. Probably not. Getting incoming um, call that. So. Full, disclaim- full disclosure here, Calvin is back on his cell phone because he's having uh, other issues with with the headset. So that's why maybe Calvin sounds like he's off in the distance, and that's why we're going back to our roots, back to the old school way we used to do this show when you were on the phone, and that was it. Yeah, well, I was tired of deal. We've had, you know, that's part of the reason why we haven't had a show. I don't know if we have any regular fans, but should we do? It's not that we haven't been trying to record a show. We've been trying. It's just repeatedly failed. So, uh, for the moment, I'm back on the phones. We'll see how that goes going forward. All right. And with that, we go back to our old school way of leading off with a Boston Celtics uh, topic. 
But first, since we're going to start talking about the Celtics, you know the season's right around the corner, and that means you're going to be looking for tickets. So unless you're on my season ticket list, you got to find a better way to get some tickets because I know you're tired of spending a fortune on them and feeling like you got ripped off. We have you covered at TickIQ.com. That's T-I-Q-I-Q.com for all of your ticketing needs, not just sporting events, not just those lovely Celtics or the Lakers for that matter. TickIQ is the leading ticket aggregator, and if you don't know what that word means, look it up, but I'll tell you anyway. It basically compiles all of the different ticket sites out there that have tickets available for the event you're looking for, and it tells you which ones are the best deals. And then it allows you to buy those tickets right then and there. It's a one-stop shop to browse all of those best deals from ticket sites. And you don't have to worry about finding those best seats because they'll have it right there on TickIQ.com. Bruins tickets are expensive, but I know some people, one person in particular, that has found some cheap tickets on there, much to the dismay of people that were searching for hours on end, looking for tickets, not finding anything cheaper. Win for her, lost for him. Anyway, go to TickIQ.com. You'll find the best prices in the market. Patriots tickets to all the sporting events. Use the promo code CLNS for 5% off. That's TIQIQ.com. TickIQ.com. All right, Calvin. So right. I didn't need to go to TickIQ.com to get into the Celtics open practice couple weeks ago i was there as a season ticket holder that's we have we have the right to go there if we'd like to go so i went and let me just tell you it's more of the same i'm actually surprised that we didn't hear more uh outrageous claims out of people from people seeing some of the players at open practice because there were a couple guys in particular that looked rather good in that little scrimmage that they run there for, for the Boston Celtics season ticket holders. But maybe my ear is just not to the to the earth right now. Is that the thing? Maybe I'm just not paying attention. I haven't heard a peep out of Celtics camp about players that look great. This is this is the, one of the first times in recent years that I can remember that we haven't heard about someone that looks awesome and they're getting overblown already. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've already heard that about a week or two, but, um, yeah, uh, well, first thing I, my first thought is that first you, you use the word ticket aggregator when you could have said ticket collector. Now you're, you're bragging about being open at open practice. My first question is, do you think you're better than me? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> Aggregator is in the live read, and it's a good word, and I felt like explaining it. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness. So you you feel pretty good that they that uh, they aren't you know uh, throwing out propaganda here. Do you think that has to do with sort of the the low key nature of Brad Stevens? Because certainly, if, if Doc Rivers was the coach, you'd be hearing about some players right now and how good they looked, right? Is, I mean, is that how it's going in in, the, in Los Angeles for the Clippers? Are you not paying attention to them at all? I, it, is he doing stuff like that out there? Because I would like to think that it is linked to the coach. Because, I mean, Stevens keeps a tight ship, it seems. I mean, you know, people don't talk about the Clippers, so I have no idea. I can, <laughs> I can tell you, yeah. I, I can tell you things. about Lakers that supposedly look good, but... Um, 
I think I heard something or something or other about Lance Stevenson. I don't know. I heard his name. I heard his name and tuned out immediately. You heard his name. Okay. Well, that's not that doesn't help the segment at all. So uh, let's let's just move along from that. Uh, be, but well, it, the point I'm trying to make here is that even last year, people were looking at summer league, and they were they were saying Marcus Smart was going to be this this number one defender. They were saying things like uh, Kelly Olenek two years ago was was the next. I mean, Tommy Heinsohn was calling him the next coming of Dirk Nowitzki at one point. Uh, it's it's just. We're not hearing that yet, and I don't know if it's because we haven't really seen a whole lot of the team. They've only played this one game out in Italy. They crushed Milan this this afternoon. Uh, Emporio Armani, that's what it is. They crushed them. Well, I, they beat them. They beat them by thirty three, and everybody looks good, Calvin. So I'm just surprised that I haven't. I mean, maybe I should be checking Twitter or something, and I'm just missing something here. But as far as I have seen over the past few hours, people aren't going really really wild about the way that this team performed, and I'm surprised by that, especially with the fact that they did beat up on a, a team in Italy today. Well, usually when someone goes wild in this sort of preseason situation, it's you know over a guy who either looks drastically different than he did the last season. So I, I think the first thing that we can conclude is, is that Jared Sarger probably didn't lose 35 pounds in the offseason. Yeah, let me tell you, he, he, uh, he still looks the same. He, to me, seeing him in open practice, he, he looked out of sorts, and he looked still like a big man. I don't know if he lost weight or not, but it doesn't look like it to me. Right. That's what I'm saying. If he did lose, if he was suddenly very stealth and looking in good shape, we you know all we hear about is how blown away we are. And the other thing that tells me is, that, that the rookies probably haven't stood out so far, or at least one hasn't risen above the pack of rookies that have arrived. Otherwise, that because that's usually the kind of thing that stands out. You know, uh, a, a guy who's been there for multiple years, sort of doing what he does. You know, Avery Bradley playing every Bradley style defense. It's not gonna it's not gonna pop any headlines. So it's usually something new, something fresh, something different. And you know, as of right now, maybe that. That really hasn't stood out in any way. Now, but, you know, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just know over here there's a lot of talk uh, about Julius Randle and how fast he looks, and it's because Julius Randle hasn't played any, well, you know, three quarters of a game share of NBA basketball, so he's sort of got that hype. And yeah, it actually concerns me that I haven't really heard anything positive about uh, D'Angelo Russell, other than his, <laughs> you know, attitude. His, his positive attitude. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there was a little bit of a rumble that the veterans on the team are really taking a liking to Terry Rozier, and they think that he's he's excellent and he's he's really excelled in the first couple of practices, yada yada. But that seems to have died down a little bit. Uh, especially now, I don't know if you heard this story, that his name is implicated uh, in the Louisville sex prostitution scandal. They don't say his name uh, explicitly in that, but they, they one of the people that they interviewed refers to a recruit named Terry uh, from his hometown of, I think he's from Chicago, 
Um, I'll, ch- I'll double check that, but keep that in mind. Now that I mean they were hyping him up for a little bit, and then it seems on that thing sort of, and I haven't heard anything about him. Uh, but just looking at, I didn't see the game today. Obviously, it was this afternoon. I didn't have a chance to see. I don't even know if it was aired anywhere in the United States. Uh, but the entire team performed pretty well. So I'm not trying to tie anything together. I'm just throwing that out there as maybe a a reason that they're keeping his name out of the spotlight, if you will. Um, But as a team, I just don't see the overreaction that we usually see from fans in the first 24 hours of this team performing well or looking good at the open practice or wherever it may be in Italy in in uh, Czech Republic or wherever the hell they went the last couple of years, uh, maybe back to Italy at one point. Man, am I rusty. It's been so long. I just feel like I'm just rambling about nothing. Uh, no, you're good, man. I guess, I guess that's what I usually do. Anyway, um, the point is that I'm just surprised. I'm not saying it's warranted and that we should be hearing these things. I'm just surprised it's not happening because it happens. It, it's, it's happened so often in the past where people just overreact immediately. And I guess it's a little bit refreshing. That's all. I mean, you know, they're playing a team in Italy. How many reporters are they even sending that game? Probably not too many, right? Too many American no, think, reporters. Uh, yeah, I think they're relying so they, on uh, on the Associated Press and things like that. Right. So that'll, that'll dim down any enthusiasm because probably not a lot of people saw that game live. And it's just the fact that, you know, they're not really playing a credible opponent or I don't know too much about Olympia uh, in Milan. Maybe maybe they're better than I realize, but, you know, the Italian Basketball League is not known for this trick. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the brief write-up from the AP here, it looks like they just spread it around a little bit. Nobody was really that outstanding. So um, maybe that's just a, a generic article being swept under the rug. Maybe it's that the Celtics are really playing as a team. I did see a quote from the opposing coach uh, saying that he was surprised that the Celtics would play this well, even though they've only been together for a few days. And I don't know whether he doesn't realize that 80% of this team was here last year playing for this coach, or if he is just, if he does realize that and he's saying in general, teams take a little bit more time to gel and the Celtics look good and are playing like a team, but either way, I'm not surprised in that regard. I, I think uh, when they, especially depending on the roster that this opposing head coach has in front of him, if the Celtics are just trying to get back out there to where they were playing last year and they're hitting their stride and they're just adding a couple guys like Amir Johnson and David Lee, I would not be surprised if they're already playing well. Yeah, I'm not totally surprised. I mean, like I said, especially – given their opponent, I wouldn't read too much into one preseason game, even if it was, you know, a, even if it, we're talking about a preseason win over the Cavs, I'm probably not looking too too far into it. Um, other than, you know, maybe to see how, how guys play, but even then, I've, I've always believed that, you know, uh, a lot of people take their foot off the gas, and the guys who are playing for a roster spot or, you know, playing for some sort of position, are, are always going to be hungrier in that situation than the guys who have, you know, more of a secure position, and that's going to influence uh, how preseason games look anyway. So 
I, I'm always reluctant to to put any value. Have too many times I've seen teams, you know, be it basketball, be it football, you know, even baseball, uh, look either good or bad in in the free season and, and look completely different once the regular season starts. That's right, Kevin Garnett. We're going to move on to another Kevin here, Calvin. How would you feel if Kevin Durant was a Laker? Murray, I would feel pretty good. Pretty good about that. Yeah. Kobe Lee, How do you Kevin like that Durant segue from Lakers. one NBA topic to another? There is yeah. a, There was a report out there by uh, your boy. Not my boy. I mean, maybe he's not your boy either, but... We're going to call him your boy for this part. Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, the renowned Stephen A. Smith, the very credible and not garbage-talking out-of-his-ass Stephen A. Smith at all. He's very credible. Says that Kevin Durant is uh, strongly considering the Lakers. So how do you feel about that? Well, look, Kevin Durant isn't the only guy who said, I mean, Probably Kevin Durant said. I mean, Stephen A. Smith isn't the only guy who said that Kevin Durant uh, has interest in playing for the Lakers. Do I think that, like, I think it's entirely possible that he's right that they're the front runner right now. Do I think they'll be the front runner at the end of the season? No, probably not, for a number of reasons. Mostly because I don't think the Lakers will be good enough to be able to entice Durant to leave for a year even if, you know, he only has to leave for one year before Westbrook joins him. If Durant went to L.A., then Westbrook is almost certain to follow. But uh, but besides that, like, it, you know, obviously when a guy is going to be a free agent, he's going to uh, he's immediately going to be connected with the Lakers because they have money. Kobe's going to retire. They're, they're going to look uh, for someone to give that money to. And, you know, obviously L.A. is the media market that it is. And there's an inherent, like, you know, this if, if you're a big free agent, you even if you don't want to go to the Lakers, you probably want to have your name connected to the Lakers. Because, you know... You have to at least consider it, sure. Yeah. Right. Or even, but even if you're not, even if you say you want to go back to, to Oklahoma City, you know, I'm, as, as somebody who's, uh, you know... a had a an, a an NFL team potentially coming to my city for the last 20 years. I'm used to like this town being used as leverage for uh, you know other people to get their stadiums, other people to get their deals. It just makes sense, even if he just intends to go to Oklahoma City or intends to go to Washington, to include the Lakers, you know, in that uh, as a sort of driving influence to push his value up. Anyway, not that he's not going to get a max, but. You still get the point that I'm making, but all that being said, like, and I also think, by the way, like Stephen A. Smith, who I I don't I don't find credible necessarily at all, but I I also don't think like it's out of the realm of possibility. If you look at his original statement, which he said, you know, he's hearing from his sources that uh, Kevin Durant is primarily considering the Lakers uh, if he if he doesn't go back to Oklahoma City. I think it's, it's entirely possible he heard that from a source. Now, whether or not that's true, see, Kevin Durant needs to realize there's two, there's, there's levels here. One, sources say things all the time. Like this, Kevin Durant, you know, then came out and responded and said, uh, you know, none of my friends or family talked to Stephen A. Smith, so he's a liar. 
Well, one, you know, there's degrees mm-hmm. of sources between between Pretty Kevin strong. Durant. Yeah, it is, it is very strong. There's yeah, there's degrees of people between Durant and Stephen A. Smith, where Stephen A. Smith could have talked to somebody. He could have, he could have got that information from David Aldridge. You know I mean? usually, he usually does get his information from somebody else that knows somebody else that knows somebody else. That's, I'm sure that's where he right. gets it. Every single one of his sources yeah. is probably like that. So that's why I don't feel like he's one of the more credible guys out there. But sometimes he's going ha- to hit on one. That's, that's the thing. He has hit on things in the past. No, that's fine. But as an ESPN employee and, a, and an NBA reporter, even if he's not – the, you know, the most accurate source of information, he, his job is to still report information as he gets it. Not all information is accurate, and you can't, you can't verify it. That's why you throw it out there as a rumor. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of being a journalist in, in 2015. Now, if you're, maybe if you're an old-time newspaper guy, you believe you, know, you shouldn't report anything until, until it gets confirmed, but that's not the way the world works anymore. Things get reported as possibilities, if you get information that is possible, and Kevin Durant also knows this. Maybe I, I almost feel like Durant must, and, and also based on Stephen A. Smith's response, which I'll get to in a second, I almost feel like Kevin Durant like has a personal issue with Stephen A. Smith. Just and why wouldn't she, right? He, he dislikes him for some reason. But I, I also feel like Kevin Durant, sort of, his response is sort of without like calling him a liar directly. Denial is really the only response you can give if you're Durant, right? You can't, in, in your final year in Oklahoma City, say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about you know joining the Lakers. I hope they have a good year, so I, I can leave Oklahoma City and join them." Yeah, no, there's but no way you would say that. It, yeah, uh, you could statement. say you could say that as a free agent, I will have my my options open, and I will consider anybody with a serious offer. That's that's what you could say. If you wanted to throw the line, sure. Why not? As a free agent, you have the right to say that. That includes Oklahoma City. It's not, no, it's not no, like you're right, restricted. The, 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 no, yeah, the right is look, the right in whether you should do it are two entirely different things. If you're trying to let's let's say let's say Kevin Durant wants to leave right now, hypothetically, and let's say he already knows right now he's not going back to Oklahoma City, but he'd like to try to win a championship. Uh, in this final season with, with Russell Westbrook, uh, and play out the string and then go somewhere else. Do you think it would be smart of him to say that in any form? And how do you think the fans would react to that? They'd boo him all the time. There'd be pressure on the team to trade him, or maybe he wants to try to win a title this year before moving on. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel situation. like there's any. I don't feel like there's any problem with him saying he he would keep his op- options open for his free agency next year. I understand that the better move is to is to just deny it and ignore the whole thing. But for him to say that he I mean to me that's just that's that is what it is. It, that's what this this modern NBA and, and sports world is. It's it's a world of free agency. So for a player to not acknowledge that his all of his he would be looking at multiple different scenarios uh and take the best choice it, it feels it feels fake. Yeah, well, it, it is fake, but it, it's sort of what you have to do in that situation because, again, I I don't see how politically, it's, even if you say, okay, I'm going to keep my options open, then, then they're just going to ask you about it every chance they get. It's just going to be in the media the entire time. It's going to distract from what's going on with the team. You'd be, 
You know what I mean? It's going to take away your focus. It's going to be in the papers. They're just going to talk about it nonstop, which they're probably going to talk about to a degree anyway. But if you play it off, like, uh, I have no plans to leave this team. I'll address it at the end of the season. I will, you know, you say, I want to be a Thunder. Uh, singular sports team names are so stupid. But I, I feel like you, you sort of have to you have to throw them that bone. So I, yeah, I think you just say, I want to be Thunder, right? I don't think you do say that. No? <laughs> I, I want to be Thunder? No, I want to be Thunder. So. Yeah, that's that, that's what you say. I I want to be Thunder. No, you don't like that. No. no. Okay. Anyway, throw them the bone. Even yeah. I want to be a Thunder. I don't know. I'm. Still, thunder? I'm, okay. I'm still trying to think of a better. Yeah, I'm still trying to think. I want to be the Thunder. I I just have to say I want to be on the Thunder, right? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the that's the proper way. Fine, kill it. Maybe no more say fun. I want to ride the thunder. There you go. There you go. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, this brings us back to Stephen A. Smith's response. Ray, I don't know if you had time or not to check out his uh, video response to being called a liar, but by Kevin Durant. But I didn't see it's it. It's pretty off. I, I wish that we had time before the show started to to get the audio of it. Uh, first of all, he's, he he says that he he never claimed to uh, have spoken to any of Kevin Durant's family, which again make, makes sense. He said he got it from a source, and then he said uh, in response in response to being called a liar, he says you do not want to make an enemy out of him. <laughs> then he says, he says, let me say this one more time to be clear. And he stops to look. He says, I'm going to look at the camera. He looks at the camera, and he says, you do not want to make an enemy out of me. No, oh, we definitely need that clip. Because I'll take this off for greatness. Yeah, that'll, right, that'll go right along with Ray Lewis, man. We definitely need that clip. So my question to you, Ray, is what do you think Stephen A. Smith could do to Kevin Durant should he choose to make an enemy out of him? Uh, I mean, he he could, he could, you've heard some of the some of the crazy stuff that he's spun on first take, right? And when he's going after Skip Bayless, and they just have all this, this these pre contrived stories that uh, that that uh, maybe they have merit, maybe they don't, maybe they have some actual reasoning behind them and some some. Good sources, maybe they don't, but a lot of times it just seems like it's propaganda-ish and sort of blasphemous, you know what I mean? Like outrageous stuff. He could just come up with some of this crazy crap about Kevin Durant and run with it, and ESPN apparently is just going to let it happen. You know, I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm just, just theorizing here, but uh, it's. Uh, but if he's, he, he's going to be spiteful about being called a liar. And if he's going to be vindictive about it, he could come up with anything. He's Stephen A. Smith. I've heard him spout some crazy stuff before. Right. He's already, but here's the thing. One, he's already Stephen A. Smith, right? So, like, nobody takes him seriously now. Two, he's, he's on first take. Again, those two, the things that those two people say on the air, Stephen A. Smith is the guy who, you know, talks about how uh, – you know, domestic violence wouldn't occur if 
uh, you know, the women knew when to keep their mouths shut. This is the guy we're talking about, Ray. Yeah, it's brutal. Some of the he stuff said, that he goes out and goes out and says. He said that on, uh, yeah, he said that on his show. So, if whatever he, whatever he, what could he possibly say about Kevin Durant that one people would believe, and two people would believe in light of him coming on the air and and threatening Kevin Durant like a supervillain? No, I I'm not on Stephen A. Smith's side here. I think that he's he, he's being ridiculous and. That he's trying to maybe make pump himself up a little bit, fluff his own feathers, but uh, it, it's it, it's I can I'm not I'm not fooled by it. I see through it. I'm not going to buy whatever he says about Kevin Durant going forward. If it, 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 by all accounts, isn't Kevin Durant the nicest guy in the NBA anyway? Uh, yeah. Well, by some accounts, I feel like Kevin Durant is like secretly got an edge to him. That, that exists beyond the squeaky clean media image that he's projected for a long time. Yeah, yeah I think that's I probably know. true. Yeah. You, I, I think over the last couple of years, you've seen him sort of, you know, get um, get a little uh, angrier, get a little more bitter. I like it, though. I like guys with a little bit of attitude. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, but you know what? It, as ridiculous as, as the supervillain thing was, and as ridiculous as a human being that he is, I'm sort of on Stephen A's side here. Like, he should be able to... If, if Adrian Wojnarowski went and reported something wrong, uh, about not, that, not that Adrian Wojnarowski could ever be wrong, but, yeah, if he posted something wrong about Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant wouldn't just say he's a liar. He would just say that he's wrong. You know, it's like... I, do I do I think that he overreacted to it? Sure, but like also Kevin Durant, you, you have to know how the media works in 2015, and it doesn't it doesn't really seem like Stephen A. Smith did anything wrong except possibly have an invalid source. But I mean I don't even believe that. I think Kevin Durant's just covering his ass. And he and you think that he shouldn't have used the word liar? That's what You're I upset think, at yeah. Kevin Durant. I'm angry at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, if you come to the Lakers, man, I'm going to be angry at you. I don't know, I don't know if it's going to take me a you know, You'll have to play really well for me to forgive you. Because I'm pissed off for greatness. And you know what? That's that's right, Ray Lewis. The Lakers are great. The Lakers are greatness, apparently. That's that's what that we're, we're all taught in NBA circles. The Lakers are greatness. So, Kevin Durant, you better get yourself in order. And you better shape up and befriend Stephen A. Smith or Calvin is going to boo you in the Staples Center. Why can't we just be friends, Ray? Why can't we be friends? I don't friends? know. You tell me, why can't we be friends? I'm talking I'm talking to you. Why why can't we be friends? I don't know, Calvin. You tell me, why can't we be friends? You don't want to meet anyone. Cuz you're a liar, that's why. Cuz I'm a liar. Uh, yeah. maybe I should Maybe I should yeah. make an you enemy out of you. You don't want to make an enemy out of me. You You don't know I don't want to meet anyone. You haven't talked to any of my friends. <laughs> You're a liar. That's right. I, I, I talked to your... You well, don't know my family. Talk to your uncle. Michael's never spoken to you. You're a liar. <laughs> you big jerk. Um, moving on. Next up, 
is somewhat of an interesting. Is it too soon for me to make this comment? Maybe CC Sabathia, New York Yankees pitcher, should just sack up a little bit and continue drinking like the Yankee greats of old, Babe Ruth and David Wells, those wonderful lefty great pitchers. And that's with all due respect for David Wells and Babe Ruth and CC Sabathia for that matter. I love David Wells. I thought he was a, a riot and I thought he was an excellent pitcher. And he came out and admitted to being drunk on the mound. And stories are that Babe Ruth was also drunk on the mound. I don't know how we just made this segue, but somebody should give me a golden ticket for it. Uh, the point is, CC Sabathia is checking himself into re- rehab just before the playoffs begin. Actually, as we speak right now, <laughs> there's a playoff game going on, and I don't even know if it's still going on. Let me, let me go and check that. Because Sabathia's New York Yankees are in the wild card game against the Houston Astros. They are down 2 nothing as we speak in the bottom of the sixth. But the bigger story here, Calvin, is that Sabathia's checked himself into rehab. So it's it's bad enough that it's affecting his life and he needs to get himself clean. And I don't want to make any make this situation and make light of this situation. I'm not I'm not trying to belittle this situation by referring to David Wells and and Babe Ruth in somewhat of a mocking tone. I'm not trying to do that. It's it, it, but what I am trying to do is make a connection here and ask the question: How is it that guys like David Wells can get away with it, not by baseball standards or anything like that, but just by I guess tolerance standards for himself and pitch and exceed or succeed and excel at the highest level. Yet CC Sabathia is having serious issues with alcoholism and he needs, he needs to go to rehab. What do you think the differences are here? And, or is this too, is this too big to do in 15 minutes? Right. I'm going to make light of this situation. I'm, All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a difference between those guys and CC Sabathia. In fact, I'm going to float a conspiracy theory in in the situation. Okay. You know I love those. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a major conspiracy theory situation. And here it is. The the Yankees, Murray, just clinched the playoffs. Uh. Not too long ago, a couple of games ago, a couple of days ago. All right. CC uh, Sapathia was supposedly uh, the guy who bought all the magnum bottles of champagne that the team used to spray all over each other, as one does when they win, uh, you know, a, a playoff spot at the end of a long year. Right. Nothing wrong with that. It's been Baltimore mm-hmm. sure. when, it, when it went down. Yep. And uh, there were there were reports then that you know he that he followed it up with with a bender that uh, at Yankee Stadium he was seen drinking quote brown liquid from a cup and rep- reporters tried to ask him questions and he ignored them and walked away and then supposedly uh, the team had to put him into a cab right so okay. That that was a couple couple days ago. Now comes reports 
that he's checked himself into a rehab center, uh, you know, right before the playoffs started. Okay. So here, here's here's my here's my issue with it. Do I do I think I, I have a hard time believing that like CC Sapathia uh, was a significantly that he's that he's been a drunk this entire time, uh, or, or that his not not even that he has been a drunk the entire time. The opposite that it, that supposedly his alcoholism reached critical mass uh, in this moment, right before the, the start of the playoffs, and now he has to take this time off, uh, you know, to heal and, and, and be with his family and, and help help make himself better. But my my issue with that is one, I feel like what happened was. Again, they they got the playoff spot, and they they all celebrated. He celebrated a little too hard. He wasn't scheduled to pitch when he got, but but what happened was he was drinking around the stadium. He embarrassed the team, and somebody went to him and said, "Hey, bro, you need to check yourself into rehab." That's and you know why they did? Because CC CC Zabathi has a four seventy three ERA. That's why he's going yep. to rehab. Because he stinks, and you, they don't want him on the roster anyway. That, is that what you're saying? And they're trying to find a new reason to to keep him off the roster. Is that some sort of roster exemption that the Yankees can use now? Those underhanded Steinbrenners. This is exactly this is exactly what I'm saying. He doesn't make they they put pressure on him once he was drunk at at the stadium. They said, "Bro, you're embarrassing the team. You need to check yourself into rehab." And he said, "Okay." Now uh, it was questionable whether he was going to make the playoff roster anyway. They don't have to pay him a playoff bonus now because he's not on the roster. And, mm-hmm. and they don't. Uh, they also don't have to worry very about uh, one pressure from the fans to you know pitch a guy who's who's been as clutch of a pl- of a performer as they have on their team right now, and really the only pitcher with a lot of playoff off experience. You know Tanaka doesn't have any playoff experience. The fans would have been angry if the Yankees lost and Sabathia didn't get to pitch. Now they don't have to worry about any of that. Because he's in rehab, and what is anybody? What are people going to say? Are, are people really going to denigrate this man who's choosing to help himself? He's trying to get better. How dare you criticize him? What are you all? Are you selfish sports fans? All you care about is winning. This man has a serious disease. So, except, except yeah. you, you are not no, going to no, fall except, for this. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't buy it. I. You know, it's like if the story comes out where, you know, there's been six months of him showing up at the stadium drinking. Like, this was never – Here's a part, this is the last day of the season, Rory. If this had been a problem, if alcoholism had been a problem the entire season, why are we just finding out about it now? And if it's not, if he just had a, if he just had a weekend where he decided to get really drunk at the time when they won the pennant, guess what? Guys get guys who get drunk and have a good time from, from time to time. That doesn't mean you need to check yourself into a rehab center for alcoholism necessarily. Either yeah, way, and you, you know what, you, t- Calvin? To take that a step further, you ever gone on a bender yourself? I've been on a bender too, sure. Who hasn't? Like a ser- like a serious what? bender where you're like you're like drinking during work hours and shit like that. Have you ever done that? Uh, I've had like a bender weekend, you know. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be truthful here and say that there was a point, I don't know, probably six years ago, something like that, where there was there were, there were a few days in the middle of the week, I would go home, I would take a shot of rum and head back to the office, and then 
it, it, and I was I was drinking before I would leave once once in a while too, and it got to the point where no, I didn't have to check myself into rehab. I just had to slap myself in the face and say, "What the frick are you doing? What the hell is wrong with you? Wake yourself up!" I did. It was it was a two to three day issue, and it, it's never been a problem since. That this guy apparently is pressuring teammates to drink brown liquid out of a paper cup and they're they're sending him to rehab so maybe maybe there's something to your little conspiracy theory here maybe the Yankees are pulling the strings a little bit on this one because I especially with the David Wells comparison in that organization not 15 years ago I just I, I don't see how they can they can really just sort of shun Sabathia off. I'd like to see what Sabathia has to say about this. And I, I'd like to see what, what he, if anybody gets a chance to talk to him when he comes out of rehab, if that's exactly actually where he is. Oh, it's too late already, Rory. They, they've already gotten to him. He's going to toe the party line. What's he going to say? You know? They caught him. They caught well, him is he out of contract for next year, or is he just is he getting out of there? That's a great question. I have no idea. I just suppose I could look it up, right? I got it. Go. Continue. Say something. I will find it. Okay. Uh, wow, it's a lot of pressure to just say, say something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you had something else to say. That's why I said it. Um, oh, yeah. Well, no. I, he's I just he's an unrestricted free agent in 2016, Calvin. There so this, I mean, this is... This is his chance. He can go sign somewhere else, which is why I would I would think that um, if he comes out out of rehab and it's still of the mindset that he was forced in there, then he should he should be vocal about that. If not, just for his pride. I mean, unless he thinks that it's going to affect his ability to sign with a different team to sort of end his career here, because he's definitely on the downswing. Uh, then, I mean, maybe he shuts up, but. If I were him and I felt like I was forced in there, I would I would make that known. Yeah, I think it becomes on, on his end. It becomes a difficult thing because it's like the reporters did see him drinking there. He's going. He, the problem is, is he's he, he is trying to rehabilitate his image, or you know, going to another team. And if he if he belittles the rehab process. Regardless, if if he says you know he was forced into it by the Yankees, he's still sort of you've still sort of been saying okay I was forced into it by the Yankees, so I didn't really want to go to rehab, so I'm not really serious about getting rid of my drinking problem. You know what I mean? All of that is sort of implied in that notion. It's hard to it's hard to pull that move. I guess um, I guess I wouldn't make it in the PR world, would I? Yeah, you could. You think I'd be fine? I'd have a lot of clients. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna make it after all, kid. <laughs> all right. Let's all right. go to the goddamn staff. I'm sorry. What was that, Rick? What? Let's go to the goddamn staff. Yeah, that's better. Um, okay, right. Is he talking to you from from a speakerphone? Yeah, it sounds. He sounds even worse than you, man. It sounds like one of those tin cans. <laughs> um. But before we go get a snack, we are going to move on to some NFL talk here in a moment, Calvin. Um, But first I want to mention 
that the Patriots were on a bye this week. So we're not talking about the Patriots. Instead, we're just going to be discussing all the other stuff that happened around the NFL. Because it's really fun and happy. And that's what the NFL is, right? No, that's not what the NFL is. But that's what you can find at FanDuel.com. Fun and happiness. They make every single game more exciting. So even when the Patriots aren't playing like they had the bye this week, you can watch the other games and pick players from those teams and still make some money. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football. It's real money, and they're expecting to pay out $2 billion this year. Building a team is really easy. Pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and just watch on Sunday whether the Patriots are playing or not. Your players perform, you win. Fees start at just a dollar. Entry fees for these leagues that they have, just $1. Anybody can play, and you can have fun doing it. Uh, in just one week, this past week, in week three, Ben from Illinois put five dollars in and he won ten grand. That's that that happened to him last week. He's been playing for about a month on FanDuel. That could be you as well. Join him and over one million other users who have already won money on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com and click the microphone in the upper right hand corner. When you do that, put in the code Patriots and sign up. If you're a new user, for every dollar you put in. FanDuel is going to match it up to 200 bucks, and it, that gets earned as you play. Um, so put in a whole $200, and you can get that back and put it back in and even make even more money. It's good for the first 50 people that use code PATRIOTS, so go use PATRIOTS today when you click on the upper right-hand microphone in the corner there uh, at FanDuel.com. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, where every day is a new season. Sign up today, FanDuel. Dot com. And with that, we can go get a snack. What do you want to eat, Calvin? What are you gonna eat? What are you gonna have? Uh, ribs. Ribs? That's yeah. A snack. I guess we're not gonna have any snacks. Uh, what we are, what we are gonna do is discuss a uh, situation here between ESPN and another one-week fantasy site that we are not mentioning on this show anymore. Take it away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can mention I, them. I don't I, care. It's fine. Reason, no, for some reason I, I was thinking Liz was next, but uh, oh. I had the order incorrect. And Anyway, uh, so, I don't know if you've heard about this DraftKings FanDuel controversy, but I have. A, an, yeah, an employee, let's briefly touch on that for a second because I'm interested if you have any thoughts on it. An employee of DraftKings uh, won a bunch of money on FanDuel and supposedly he used information uh, about how many, he as an employee of DraftKings, he has information on, you know, uh, what percentage of players are unused, so he would, he sure. went to FanDuel and he you know he made uh, bets based on guys who who weren't popular with a lot of teams, and mm-hmm. uh, when when that worked out, he made a lot of money off it. 
Sure. Uh, there's been a lot of um, sort of investigation into this guy and into other employees who've done the same thing, and the conclusion they've come to is that it's not unfair. What do you what do you think about that that notion before we get into the ESPN angle for a second? Well, I think first of all that the, there are some differences in the two sites. Of course, there's different scoring systems. They have uh, slightly different payouts and all this sort of thing. There are different amounts of players on the sites uh, as far as the people in each league. I've experienced a couple of them. Uh, I mean, I haven't won any money, but I've also not put a whole lot of money into them. So it was fun for a little while. It, it was it was cheap. And um, while I didn't hit it big, I can see where people would continue using either site. So to me, having the information from one uh one site doesn't really affect the other site as much as some people might think. Sure, it's it's nice to know, but unless you actually know what people are picking on the FanDuel site, then the DraftKings information is not going to help you a whole lot. Just as an example, if you go to Yahoo Fantasy Football, it will show you a percentage that says how many teams – own the player and how many teams are starting the player that week. So you could even find a way to to download that information or put that information into some different form to analyze it than just looking at the, the Yahoo screen and use that and you bring it to, to FanDuel and say, well, not a lot of people on Yahoo are picking this player, but uh, he's going to do well and still hit it big or not. And on the other side of that, it, it, it's it, or to go along with that, I should say, there, you're, the guy was picking players that aren't very popular, right? So he has to also know enough to pick the player that's going to do well that nobody else is picking. So there's there's more to it than just knowing that nobody else is picking certain people. Yeah, this is the thing to me. It's like. The, you, the guys who who are not popular on uh, DraftKings or FanDuel, they're not popular for a reason. Like, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I can probably figure out right now uh, who is if I look at if I go to DraftKings and you know look up names to pick on my uh, on my squad for the week on DraftKings. I can probably figure out the guys who aren't likely to be picked up by a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if I just use a little thing yes. called common sense, <laughs> you know, who's oh, who's playing the league's best pass defense? Oh, uh, you know, this team's playing uh, the Broncos this week. I, I, I Not a lot of people are, are picking Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, big surprise. Yeah, I can use common sense to sort of come to the same conclusion. <laughs> so they have a little bit more empirical data uh, that, you know, says the percentage of, of – the exact percentage of people picking guys. Well, congrats, but that doesn't mean that that team is more likely to win because you still have to you still have to get the most fantasy points, and the most fantasy points are probably going to, for the most part, come from guys who are expecting to get a lot of fantasy points. But that's how it works in actual fantasy as well. Like, yeah, no, you can tell me a lot of people are picking Adrian Peterson this week. Well, you know, big surprise, Adrian Peterson's going to get a lot of points. That's how it works. So if you don't pick him on your team. Then you, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get hurt by that. So that's what it comes down to to me. It, 
I don't know how much that helps, if at all. Maybe it, it helps you a little bit just having a little bit more information, but do I think that that means you're going to win uh, on FanDuel? No, and I think the the whole controversy is overblown, but we have this paranoia uh, you know, about gambling cheating in this country, and even though you know one company has nothing to do with the other, people are still nervous about it. People want to make sure those sites, which are largely unregulated, are on the up and up. Now let's get to ESPN's ankle on this really quick. So they did a story on this. Don't they? They always have. They always have an angle. ESPN always yeah. have an angle. Always looking for something. Yeah. ESPN and DraftKings did a deal in the off season, where sort of like the Coors Light cold, cold hard facts, DraftKings was going to be in- integrated into everything that ESPN did. You know, one way or another, you know, segments would be sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, they spent a lot of time talking to Matthew Barry, where instead of talking about the fantasy value of guys, now he's talking about the DraftKings value of guys, how much guys cost on DraftKings. Sure. DraftKings just really managed to integrate themselves in, with ESPN at a level that if ESPN is trying to remain objective, it's, it's probably going a little too far, in my opinion. So Outside the Lines has this story uh, about about. DraftKings and FanDuel about the employee going from one to the other. And in it, he talks about how they won't be using DraftKings uh, sponsorship like they do in, in all their other segments. They won't be using DraftKings uh, <coughs> while discussing this story. So I, I find that ridiculous because they're, they're still using DraftKings all the time in other situations. And they're trying to to create this like aura of in this one particular case, like this aura of objectivity when it's clear that DraftKings still is hand in hand with ESPN as a company. Just because just because in on one episode of Outside the Lines they're like not involved at the same level doesn't mean that they still don't have the exact same deal overall with the company. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, and you know what? Outside the Lines is is an ESPN product, isn't it? Yes. So uh, I mean, they, outside the lines, it, it really portrays themselves as this this bringer of justice and this this hard hitting fact finding show. But really, it's just another arm of ESPN. So it's all just going around in circles here. And as far as this DraftKings thing is concerned, regardless of live reads here at CLNS Radio and whether we're doing FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever it may be. And whether they like it or not, what we're what we're reading for them, I don't care. That DraftKings site is everywhere. When I went to the the garden the other the last week, they had huge DraftKings advertisements in the train station. They were just all over the place. DraftKings this, DraftKings.com. Use code promo code this. All this, it's everywhere. I they are just using this this insane guerrilla marketing and. From what I saw a few weeks ago about the revenues and the uh, the income that both of these sites are, are having, Calvin, they're not turning profits yet. They're still losing money because people are actually winning on their sites. So they need to figure something out, and maybe that's why they're advertising so much, so they can get more customers that maybe won't win money because they don't know what they're doing. Well, no, somebody... 
the way the the way it works, Rory, is it's more like a poker game. Somebody wins money automatically. Whoever, even if they have a, you know, if, if it's a contest with a thousand people, right. even if, you know, even if the guy who gets in first place does terribly fantasy wise, that guy's still winning whatever money uh, is involved in the contest. So it's not that they're actually making boatloads of money uh, because the the amount of prize money that goes out in any given uh, contest. Is a sliver of the percentage of the people, actual yes. going in. Yeah, yeah. But they're not they're not turning profits, is what I'm I'm telling you. I I read uh, Darren Rovell was saying something about that, and although he's from ESPN as well, I, well, I somewhat trust him when he come, when it comes to business and stuff like that. So uh, I don't believe that these sites are are turning profits right now. Maybe it has something to do with the two billion dollars you're spending on marketing because Yeah, that's what I'm they, saying. They they need to yeah. they need to figure something out here because they are they're using a lot of money on, on advertising and I don't know if it's going anywhere, but well, anyway. I think that they're just trying they're they're trying to you know, get a brand integration to the degree where, you know, everybody just plays uh DraftKings or uh, FanDuel like they play fantasy sports, and I think they're they're moving in that direction. They're starting to succeed, and once they get to the point where you know they're just common household names, then they can pull back. All right. Well, before we get that snack with Rex Ryan, we are going to talk some NFL shortly. We're coming up on about 30 minutes left in the show. And uh, before we get to that, we're going to get to Liz. Hello, Liz. Hey. 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 Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Great. Hey, guys. Say hello, Calvin. Um, hello. So, um, I was really scraping for topics, but I have oh, two. Uh, this should be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit, this should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this happens every time. Like, come on. Um, okay, so these are both uh, political stories. Everybody loves oh, politics. Great. So I do love politics. The first one, you probably heard of both of these stories, but I figured I'd bring them up. Um, the first, Even better. The first one. <laughs> Stop openly mocking Callum's really into your segment tonight, Liz. I don't know if you can tell. He's he's really excited for it. Okay, so the first one is this guy from Florida who once killed a goat and drank its blood, but also was running for Senate. You heard about this guy? I I did hear about this guy, and what I'm going to do for you, Liz, while you tell us a little bit about it, is find uh, one Oshin Karamian's uh, reaction to it on the train. I'll be right back. Oh, perfect. Continue. Perfect. Um, but he's 32 and he's trying to replace Rubio. Um, and it apparently came up that he sacrificed a goat and drank its blood mm-hmm. a few years back. So um, it says also that he's had to deny allegations that he's a neo-Nazi or that he wants mm-hmm. to start a race. And then it says, just another beautiful and average day in Florida politics. But his um, he's white. his name is he's white. His name is Augustus Invictus, which 
couldn't even believe. So, uh, my Calvin, my buddy says that said that he wanted to see a video of the press conference because here's a quote from it. I did sacrifice a goat. I know that it's probably a quibble in the minds of most Americans. I sacrificed an animal to the god of the wilderness. Yes, I drank the goat's blood. So then, this, my my friend my friend also said that he since the, the article he had read was from the Chicago Tribune, he said, ah, I thought it was in Chicago but it sounds a lot more like a Florida thing. And uh, it turns out that Liz, he's running for Senate in Florida. Is that correct? That's correct. Correct. Confirmed. Fair enough. Uh, Typical Florida man. And apparently people have asked him about um, this, this person that wrote in the, like an interview and an article about him said, in a private face-to-face meeting with Mr. Invictus, he asked him directly, do you intend to actually kill millions of people and start a civil war? And his response was, it's my religion. Not like, no denial. So, I mean, I admire, I admire his commitment to religious freedom. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're outrageous. You got Calvin's vote. Um, what did, well, here's, here's the other thing I want to know. It's like, okay, he, first of all, when you say that he sacrificed the goat, do you mean that like he had like an altar with with all the blood went? Because if he if he's just like slitting a goat's throat and leaving it there, I have an issue with that. But if he's like if he just like slits a goat's throat and then everybody had goat, then that's not as bad. Everybody had goat. Uh no, what it says was that he brutally and sadistically dismembered a goat in a ritualistic sacrifice. So I think that it wasn't just everybody had goat. Yeah. So basically, basically he claims that he spent a week in the Mojave Desert fasting and praying, mm-hmm. thinking he wouldn't survive. And as a pagan ritual, when he to give thanks when he returned home, he killed this goat. I mean, this dude is—he's thirty-two. This happened a couple of years ago. Like, I don't think on my thirtieth birthday I thought about doing any of this stuff. Like, now did he did he already own this goat or? Or was this like a goat that he purchased for sacrifice? Calvin, Calvin. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. The goat is dead. Okay, let's not get attached to the goat. He's a weird dude. That's all I know. All right, on he's, to the he's next running story. as a libertarian. Go ahead. Next. That's true. Um, the one which is the best is that in North Pole. Uh, Calvin, can you hear yeah, me? I'm not hearing you. Nope. Okay. Can you can't hear me now? How about now? You might be back. Can you hear me now? Let's try, uh, let's try, uh, whoa, maybe, uh-oh. Oh, no, here it goes. Try now. Can you hear me? Yeah, try. Better? Continue. Yes. What is it now? Okay. Okay. Great. Here we are. So, in Nicole, Alaska, a man, a man legally named Santa Claus, is running for city council. So in not North like Pole. this Invictus fellow who changed his name and won't tell anybody what his given name is. This guy is actually named Santa Claus. Yes, this guy's name is Santa Claus, and he's a write-in candidate in the North Pole. He's a write-in yes. candidate. He's a real person, though. I don't. I don't buy it. 
So here's I look I looked at like many articles thinking that maybe this was made up, but it's not made up. But this picture of this of the guy that they have looks so jolly, like he looks just like Santa Claus. That's the other thing. So North Pole, North Pole has. That's what I'm saying. It it um, has a population of only two thousand. So. Um, he's a write-in challenger against another person named Lene Bellamy. Claus. I'm just saying. They all have the last name Claus in the North Pole. <laughs> Is the North Pole an actual place? Yeah, North Pole, Alaska. Yeah, there are elves there. They help build toys and feed the reindeer. So the town of North Pole isn't really the North Pole. No, it's not actually the North Pole. It's the town of North Pole, Alaska. Is this town the northernmost town Yeah, it's where they have Alaska? candy cane, pine cone. It is not, it is not the northernmost town. It's a little southeast of Fairbanks. Oh. What I'm hearing is that it's some real BS. <laughs> You're so they they ice skate on the ponds and wrap gifts up there in the North Pole. Um, side note, have you guys ever seen the, the movie series Santa Claus? It's one of my favorite series of movies. It's great. With Tim Allen? Yeah, with Tim Allen. Love Tim That's Allen. That's one of your yeah. favorite series of movies? <laughs> yeah. This could have been the <laughs> segment all in and of, in and of itself. <laughs> I way, love the Santa of, Claus movies. Yeah, I would say as a connoisseur of those movies, you should know that they're called the Santa Claus, not Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> I just love the Santa Claus series. Christmas, I gave you my heart. Yeah. <laughs> that was really loud, like guys. Sorry. Somebody um, coming over I here with like a giant fucking toy. I can't believe you to the Santa Claus series being one of your favorite series of movies, Liz. Yeah, I, think that's, I, that's... I, proudly, I proudly admit that. It's one of my favorite Christmas uh, series of movies. Sure. That's um, that's also, fine. I like minute, I like Lake Placid myself. So wait a minute. Is, is saying the Santa Claus is better than is it better than I have? We're just gonna we're just gonna go. We're just gonna have a Christmas movies conversation. Santa Claus, you're saying the Santa Claus is better than Die Hard? That's what you're telling me. Die Hard is not strictly a Christmas movie, and don't play the Die Hard card on me because you know I love well, Die Hard. Die Hard is clearly the best Christmas movie. Is, is, are you saying the Santa Claus is better than Trading Faces? Oh, <laughs> I'm talking about the Santa Claus series. Bad of Santa? Come on. All the yeah, Die Hard movies Santa? are not Christmas movies. Oh. Are you saying the Santa Claus is better than Jingle All the Way? Yes. Absolutely. And better than Bad Santa. Oh, are you man. Saying, wow. Are you, are you saying the Santa Claus is better than Home Alone? Or did you yes. want to see oh, the Home Alone series of movies? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's stepping over a line. No, no. I, I'm not, I don't worship at the altar of, of Home Alone. Sorry. Play around. Play around. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Good night, Liz. Thank you. And I don't want the world to see me because I don't Don't 
something like Home Alone, get the hell off our show. No, really, thanks, Liz. Good, good night. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was that was uh, that was great. Player out. Good stuff. Get, we'll get the uh, the candy cane hook there and just send her up to the North Pole and pull her off the stage with that. Liz Roll, everybody. You can follow her on Twitter as well. Fruit Roll Up with a PH, like fish. P H R U I T R O L L U P. I don't even know when the last time she checked Twitter was. Maybe I should check her Twitter myself. Um, we got 20 minutes left, Calvin. Are you finally ready for that snack? Because I know Rexy is. Yeah, I still can't hear you, Rex. Um, it's NFL time here on CLNS Radio on Careless Whispers. By the way, if you're still listening live to this and you want to call us, 323-642-1484, that's our new number. What does it spell? I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. So, controversy at the NFL. Calvin. Yeah. Monday night football. Yeah, Monday night football. Seahawks, Lions, right? Or was it Sunday night football? No, that was last night. It was last night. Yeah. Um, The Seahawks benefit yet again from a referee blowing a call in the end in in the end zone. This time, uh, KJ Wright hit the ball, batted the ball determined after the fact to be an illegal bat of the ball out of the end zone after it was fumbled by Calvin Johnson at the half-yard line. The Lions lost the game essentially because of it. What What is it about the Seahawks that they get these calls at home? Do the refs just not want to make calls like that and they don't want to get berated by the fans there? Or is it truly that God is on the side of Russell Wilson as he so as he has said so many times. Those are the only two options here. So the only two? Yeah. Alright. I, I like to think I'm a religious man. I'm going with God. Alright. So let's just get that out of the way. Now, do you think there could be any other conceivable options? Uh, yeah, I think it's just random. You know, I... Well, uh, part of it is, I, I mean, no, I don't think. I'll part of it is that the refs just suck, period. Well, yeah, that's a part of it. And you could you could make the argument that, hey, uh, you know, Seattle has a huge home field advantage, and maybe that influences their decision, and nobody wants to be the guy to be booed. And I'm sure that probably affects uh, refereeing, oh, umpiring, rather, umpire refereeing in, in any situation. Uh in any sport, it probably has an impact whether those guys want to admit it or not. Do I think it has a greater impact in Seattle? Not really. I just think over the last couple of years, they happen to have been the beneficiary of some calls. In this situation, I don't think that it was a matter of, you know, them get, I don't think it was a matter of them getting a break as it was a matter of maybe, I don't, I don't know. They, I don't want to say that they didn't have a clear understanding of the rule. I think that it's such a judgment call that, yes, you can you look at it on um, replay and say, like, it looks pretty obvious that he batted the ball out of bounds intentionally. 
But once they commit to the original call, it's hard to like instantly. You can make an argument that instant replay doesn't show uh, intent. You know, you still have to extrapolate that from the video. So you can still say, well, I didn't think he hit it intentionally the first time, and I still don't think he did now, even though to me it was pretty obvious that he did. Um, yes. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm looking. At, I'm actually looking at a uh, a dial pad with letters on it right now, <clears throat> trying to think of that, uh, that 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 word that we're going to associate with our phone number three two three six four two one four eight four. Um. But really, the ultimate question with this this whole situation is: should plays like that be reviewable? And that is the type of thing that I think is going to come out of this with all the people being mad at the NFL for another referee blowing a call and the Lions fans coming out and saying they should have won the game and blah, blah, blah. Don't fumble the ball, first of all. Second of all, do you think a play like that should be reviewable? And Or are we just getting to the point where so many things are reviewable, it's just too much? Because Bill Belichick, Patriots head coach, wants everything to be reviewable, and he wants to come up with some sort of a, a system, I would assume, that, that on this part of it. He does say that he wants everything to be reviewable, but there would have to be some way to penalize guys for getting it wrong because you wouldn't want them to just review everything. It would take forever. Games would last six hours. But how do you feel about that? Is this something that they should be able to look at? Well, I, you know what I think? I'll tell you this. I think everything should be challengeable. Even in, I, I don't like the rule that the referees decide uh, what's challengeable inside the final two minutes. Otherwise, you know that might have been a situation where Detroit could have challenged. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't like the Bill Belichick extreme of like. Or the thing I've been hearing from some people is, you know, they should just review all plays. Look, I'm, I'm okay with them getting some plays wrong. It's the NFL. There's bad spots and things all the time. Uh, I don't want I don't want the game slowed down to that degree, or have somebody who's not there, you know, deciding the results of all games. I think the system we have in place now, uh, generally speaking, is especially on you know, again, a lot of the the things that are non-reviewable are usually subjective calls, like you know, you shouldn't be able to review like a pass interference or something, because it's like what's pass interference is is somewhat up to. Uh, interpretation and so, I, yeah. Do I get mad sometimes if I think a guy's getting held or they didn't call it or vice versa? Sure, but uh, I also realize like that that part is up to the ref. So I I think that they should they should expand it. Maybe maybe you could argue give each team one more challenge, perhaps. But beyond that, like, and I, I again maybe you argue final two minutes like you should you should still be able to challenge if the referees won't. But beyond beyond that, I wouldn't want to change the system much. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like it's it's just drawn out. I would like to see something. Some caller on the on the radio that I heard yesterday or the day before um, mentioned that in in rugby they have a referee like in the booth and a referee on the on the field, and they have a radio headset that they can speak to each other at any point and they can make suggestions to each other. Now, I don't think the NFL is going to get to that point, but 
it would be nice to have something similar to that. And you, you've seen them sort of do that in the NBA where they go back to New York and they have somebody in a studio somewhere looking at the replays and giving their input. So I think the NFL try has always tried to put the emphasis on the referee making the call. The referee's going under the booth and he's going to go in there and he's going to make the call. College football has somebody else in a studio somewhere or maybe even somebody in the, in the stadium upstairs or something making the call. The referees in college football don't make the call at all. They get the call from somebody else. The NFL has, has tried to make it so that their referees are making the call. And really it should be a joint, a, a collective effort because they shouldn't just put it on one person. That's why the referees huddle up to discuss sometimes. That's why there are so many referees. That's why there's a team of referees so that they can have different opinions and see, tell each other what they saw differently and determine from that point what violation there was or, or wasn't. So it would be nice if the NFL could come up with something that's more of a collaborative effort and allow their referees to get advice from somebody else that's watching at a different angle and not just put it all on them and make them go under the booth. Yeah, I, I mean, this wasn't in that situation to me, though, because they they didn't review it. Not because, no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, and, and be, beyond that, in general. I, hate, I, hate, I hate the reactiveness of things like this. Like, one situation where it didn't work out for a team, and everybody's got to ask the questions, like, what can we do to change things? Well, they they just lost the game on a call the referee should have made. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't – everything is not the end of the world. Usually, in my opinion, uh, the system works fine. Teams usually don't have more than the, the two and a half calls that they need to overturn. So I don't think anything really needs to be changed except they need to do a better job of making that call. And if that rule wasn't clear before, because there, there's some thought that, that maybe their understanding of the rule – uh, was off, and maybe that's why they didn't make the call. It's certainly going to be clearer now, and you, you know we'll move forward beyond that. We yeah, got the Lions got screwed, but you know what? The Lions weren't going to make the playoffs anyway. <laughs> Lions, Lions. Because I'm picked off for great. Lions, yeah, terrible Lions. We need more Ray Lewis clips too. You know, we need more clips of everything. I don't know why I don't get more clips. Maybe because I'm lazy. That's probably it. Um. Let's do a uh, 10-minute uh, fake or real. Here we go. Ding, ding. I need a... I lost so many clips. Ah! I need, like, a yes. I don't even have a yes. All right, let's just go through it. Give me your, fake, you give me your like fake or real. Hmm? If you don't like them, you can give me the wrong. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, worry. There are a couple of teams, there are six teams that are 4 now. I'm not going to ask you if the Patriots are fake or real because you're probably just going to say that they're real. They're obviously real. They just won the Super Bowl. Well, maybe maybe we should get into that uh, in more depth next week or something. Uh, okay. I'm not trying to get another game under their belt, but I do have some thoughts about that because they've played some cream puffs here, and the road does not get much more difficult until towards the end of the season, Calvin. 
But I we actually – we, we should have a bigger NFL segment next week because I've got some uh, some questions for you on your Giants as well, even though they're not uh, in the uh, undefeated teams. So look forward well, to that. We, we but let's do this now. Yeah. There will not only be undefeated teams in, in fake or real, but I was not planning on including the Giants this Right, so we'll do we'll do a bigger a bigger yeah. segment next week on the NFL. Good, because I've thoughts on a lot of teams actually. Uh, Great, but for now we'll just do fake or real. The Cincinnati yes. Bengals, Murray, are four and zero. Oh. Do you think is this their year? Are they finally over the hump, or is this, or are they a fake four and zero? Oh, and will they inevitably lose their first round playoff game like they do every year? My shout out to my fans, so. shout out to one of my roommates in college, Peter Fleck. The only guy I've ever met to admittedly be a Cincinnati Bengals fan. They are forever fake in my mind until they do something or they fire their coach or get a quarterback that's not soft. First four weeks of the season, this team is totally fake. Talk to me in January and see where they are. See if they're still playing because they always fall apart when it matters. And I expect them to do that again. Yes, I also think that they're fake. Uh, I I think that they've played an easy schedule and uh, they're the team. Every year they look good against bad opponents. They look bad as soon as they play somebody who's a threat to them. That's uh, right. Not even in the playoff. Oh, you know, what about your Carolina Panthers? They're also four and over. Think for real. Yeah, look at this. Uh, my my initial prediction with them was was one of high hopes. Then they lose their star wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin. For the year, he's out. They lose a couple other players, and I mean, they were without Luke Keekley for a while. I'm not sure if he's in, is, he, is he back or, or not. Regardless, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with real because Cam Newton looks pretty real to me, and I, I I'm I wavered because I was worried about the injuries. I didn't go back on my prediction. I'm just glad they're going strong, so I'm gonna stay with it. Real. Larry, I'm going to stay with my prediction, which is that they're fake. <laughs> I think they've played a cream a cream puff schedule. Uh, I bet on them to beat Tampa last week, so that worked out well. So I'm reluctant to, oh, uh, to I'm reluctant to pick on them, Larry. But when your number one wide receiver is Ken Good Jr., I just I can't believe it. Yeah, you know what I mean, you're, you're, That's, Luke Kukli, a lot yeah. is riding on Cam Newton's yeah. shoulders. A lot is riding on yeah. Cam Newton. It, it's really up to him. So we'll, see, we'll have to see if he can make this, if he can continue this against good teams. I know the Arizona Cardinals lost to the Rams, uh, but the three previous opponents they blew out. They're a three and one team. Are they fake or real? I th- I think they're probably real as a as a three and one team, just because. Well, I, actually, let's put it this way: I think they're more of like a three and two team. Does that make sense? So they'll probably end the season. Eight and four, something like that. Uh, that's that's not right. That's total, totally wrong math. I would think. I would, all right, so let's let's think about this again. I'm thinking more like they'll end the season nine and seven if they're three and two, and then they go six and four, and then it's nine and six, and I would think they would lose that last game. That's where I should have been going with that eight and four. Uh, Show's almost over, folks. Promise. 
I'm so, going I'm going with real as a three and one, but that doesn't mean that they're a contender. I don't really I mean they're they're gonna be a nine and seven team because when I see three and one I sort of think three and two possibly and then from there it branches out to be nine and seven in my mind for that team. Brian, the Eagles are one and three. They look terrible. <laughs> is that fake or is that real? Well, I know that you're reveling in this too. I've always hated the Eagles. This is this to me is real because I, the, the one question that I had for you and the one the one thing that I was holding back on when we made those predictions at the beginning of the season before the season started was the fact that I was hearing all these people talk up the Eagles and Chip Kelly was going to have something going down there and they were going to be awesome and they were going to be run and gun and they're just they're, they're nobody's going to stand a chance. And I just didn't understand it. And you reassured me that I was probably right in thinking that the people talking them up were, were totally just wrong. Totally wrong. And I think we're right, Calvin. This team is completely fake but their record is real and that's that's going to be real for the rest of the way Philly stinks Great. it made no sense to me then they uh, either traded or got rid of a lot of their best players in the offseason they, they had a you know offensive line that made no sense to me I didn't understand people were predicting them to win the NFC uh, you know People had them as better than the Cowboys. I didn't understand no it then. Sense. I don't understand it now. They are the worst team in the NFC East and one of the worst teams in the NFL, and I think they'll continue to be so all year. Even, even what I expected Sam Bradford to get hurt. Even a healthy Sam Bradford isn't any good, so what difference does it make? <laughs> oh, Sam Bradford. That was the biggest joke of the offseason, if you ask me, them signing Sam Bradford and making a big deal out of it or trading for him or whatever it was, however they got him. They made a big deal out of it, and that was a laughing matter. One more, Rory. The Denver Broncos, are they fake or are they real? This is this is an interesting one because I think I think the Broncos are real to an extent, and that extent is how far their defense can carry them because I think halfway through this year, Peyton Manning's arm is going to fall off, and – the team uh, teams playing them are going to be able to stop the run because they can focus on it. And Manning is, is going to become a predictable quarterback, and that's not good. They don't they don't to me have the weapons for him to use if he's going to be predictable out there. So their defense is going to have to carry them. How far they can carry him, I don't know because you do have to score points. So I, I think they're real, but. I'm a little skeptical about their ability to win the big one this year. I think they're going to fall just short again, as usual. Right. I don't think they're going to win it all, but for the purposes of the season, they're definitely real. They're not the dominant team they were in years past. You're right. They are being carried on the backs of their defense. But you know what? Give Peyton Manning credit where credit's due. He looks like he's killing himself out there in every play, and yet he finds a way to – get those points in the fourth quarter at the end. Yeah, it's not all on their defense. Yeah, overall their defense is holding teams down. But in, in the fourth quarter, of basically every game this season, Peyton Manning has come up clutch. And on the few occasions where he had to have a big throw or he had to throw down the field, he's been able to do it. I don't think he can be that guy all game, but I think he can do it enough for this team to to go, excuse me, 11-5, and 12-4. That's real. 
All right. Do we have anything else here? Uh, no, I'm good, man. No, I think that's it. That's it for here for us here on Careless Whispers. And with uh, the Yankees down three nothing in the bottom of the eighth at home, they're gonna they're gonna have one more oh, yeah. chance here. What? Before you go, let's let's do some quick uh, do some quick predictions. So, the Astros win this game. I mean, it, it seems that way unless the Yankees find a way to get some Yankee magic. And uh, I'm yeah, all the dramatic things I've ever seen. Yeah, Roger like Clemens Cubs could come into yeah. that. Yeah. Wait, what? Cubs Pirates. Give me a pick. Uh, man, Bill Simmons likes the Pirates for some reason. I think the Cubbies take this one because. Because Arietta. Just, I, give me some money. I, 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 like, I like Arietta. I like Arietta, and you know what? I, I think Lester's going to be big if they make the, if they end up winning this game and making the playoffs. I think he's going to have a a pretty big impact uh, on things Cubs, Cubs postseason. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Cubs again. If the Cubs take oh, the wild card game, I think they take it. Uh, I got the Cardinals. Uh, Dodgers, Mets. Dodgers. Yep, Dodgers. Blue Jays, uh, Blue Jays, Astros. That's Assuming Houston wins this, yeah, I, I, yeah. I got to go with the Blue Jays. They've been on fire. Okay, and finally, what are we left with? Royals and Rangers. Oh yeah, Royals, Rangers. Royals are are the team to beat, I think, in the AL right now. Uh, they are strong, even though Toronto's been on fire. I, I would love to see that ALCS Royals. Blue Jays, so hopefully that's the, the way it shakes out, and uh, it's going to be a good one to watch. Yeah, I, I like baseball playoffs. It's time to start caring about baseball. Like there you go. Let's, go. let's go baseball. We'll be <laughs> Kershaw to start, Dodgers week. postseason opener. All right, Man. that's going to do it for us. Go Blue Jays, I guess. Cubs, yeah, go Cubs, sure. Let's let's let the Cubs go win Dodgers. something here. Go Dodgers. Good night. Good night.